This is another message brought to you by the Remodel Church. The day had just begun, and the sun was beginning to rise, painting a beautiful sky, a beautiful morning for most, except for her. For her, it would be the most shameful, most embarrassing morning and moments of her life. For she had been caught red-handed in adultery, caught in the act. And as they caught her, they weren't sympathetic, they weren't merciful, they weren't graceful. But they janked her and they jerked her out of bed. And they take her before this man named Jesus. And these men knew what the law said. See, at those times, at that that time and age, the law said anybody caught in adultery, you kill them. That is the wages of their sin. That is what they get for that sin. You kill them. You throw rocks at them until they die. But they had heard of this man called Jesus that called himself the Son of God. And they were trying to figure out a way to trap him, to entrap him, to figure out or to prove that he was just a lie, that it was all a hoax. So they said, if we take this woman who we just caught red-handed in adultery and put her in front of him, he's got to say something about this. He's got to say something wrong. So they drag her through the streets and a crowd begins to come around. And Jesus is just starting his morning about to teach when they bring her and they throw her at his feet and they say, look, this woman, we just caught her in adultery. Red-handed just now. Now we know what the law says. The law says that we should stone her. The law says that she deserves death. But what do you say? And Jesus doesn't even respond. He doesn't even answer. Instead, he just gets down in the dirt and begins to write something, draw something. I can only imagine the confusion not only in this woman who again, is in the most shameful and most embarrassing moments of her life, but at the same time in fear for her life. can only imagine the confusion in her mind and, and in her heart and, and the confusion of all the Pharisees and all of the onlookers or bystanders that are, that are seeing what is going on, what is unfolding before their eyes. And this man called Jesus, who claims to be the Son of God, instead of giving this profound answer, starts writing in dirt. So after a little moment of awkward silence, the Pharisees ask again, Hey, hey, what do you say that we should do with her? We know what the law says, but what do you say? Jesus responds so simply, Those of you without sin, throw the first stone. Then he stoops back down and begins writing. One by one one, conviction begins to set in their hearts because they realize not me. I'm not the one. So they begin to drop the stones, begin to drop the rocks, and walk off. After a while, Jesus looks up to find only the woman. The most embarrassing, most shameful moments of her life. And he says, where are those that condemned you? Where are the ones that wanted to kill you? She says, they're all gone. And she's waiting to see what is Jesus going to do with her. 
And Jesus looks at her and says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Go and repent. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning as we continue our series of building blocks. Last week we, t- we talked about grace and we realized that the grace that does not change our lives cannot save our souls. We tried to understand what grace was because when we understand grace, grace changes our lives. But when we don't understand grace, what do we do? We abuse it. We take advantage of it. And so this morning, I want to go over and try to teach all of us this word and what this word means, repentance. It's, it's a word that we don't ever use outside of church. We don't, we don't ever hear this word outside of church. It's what I call a very church word. Um, you don't ever, you know, when your kids do something wrong, you're not like, repent or I'm going to spank you. You know that you don't ever say that. If you do, you're just weird. Um, you know, it's just a word we don't ever use. But we hear it over and over. And, and as a kid growing up and, and going to all of these revivals in the 90s, man, I heard this word over and over. Repent, repent, repent. But nobody ever really explained it. Nobody really ever taught me what it really means. And so that's what I want to do this morning. So as you find your notes, we'll go ahead and pray and then we're going to jump into this. God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. We ask you, God, that you would help us to understand your word. Help us to receive your word. But God, more than anything, help us to live this word out as we learn about repentance this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, Amen. Amen. So, repentance. Number one, it's a change of mind and of actions. That's what repentance is. When somebody repents, it's a change of mind and of action. And it's very important to understand that it's not conviction. When someone repents, that means that they have a change of mind and a change of action. They decide in their minds, they don't want to do this. I don't want to do this, whatever act it is, this sin sin act in my life anymore. So I change my mind and then I change my actions. But it's not just conviction. Again, I grew up in church. My dad has been a pastor pretty much my entire life. So I know conviction. And there were several times as a teenager sitting at the very, very back, I felt convicted of something, either to come to the front to pray or maybe to change something in my life. I'll never forget. I was in this. It was back whenever we had the three rows. I was in this middle row, about the third row from the back. And I was praying about something. And so plainly, I have never heard or felt the word of God and answer from God so plainly in my life. He said, no, don't do that. And I got up from my from my knees and I said, forget that. I'm doing it anyways. Conviction is not repentance. I can feel convicted and not repent. I can still feel conviction is just simply knowing that you're doing wrong, feeling that something inside of you that's just saying this isn't right. This doesn't feel right. That's what conviction is. And just because I feel this conviction does not mean that I'm going to repent. Anybody ever felt convicted but not repented? That's what it is. So 
We have to understand the difference between just feeling convicted and repenting. And, and, and now this isn't part of my notes, but I want to add this because this is so important. You know, we've said we, we've, we've compared God and, and, and God's light and God's, God's voice or, or God's will in our lives kind of as a dimmer switch principle, right? Our relationship with God is kind of on this dimmer switch principle. And the more I listen to God, well, the more of God I get to hear. The less I listen to God, the less I obey God, well, the farther away he seems to be. Right? That's, the way, that's just the way our relationship with God is. The more I obey him, the closer he seems to be. The less I obey him, the farther away he seems to be. And with conviction, listen, it's very important that we give in to our convictions. Because when I feel convicted of something but choose to do it anyways, I begin to get a little bit callous. And if I do anything enough, long enough, I no longer feel that conviction. Those of you that don't play guitar, don't play any instruments, I promise you, I don't care how much you work and how rough your hands are, I promise you, spend two or three hours trying to learn the guitar and your hand is going to cramp up and your fingertips are going to be very, very sore. And if you keep doing that long enough... You're going to get all of these calluses on your fingertips if you practice long enough and hard enough. And one day you're going to be able to play three or four hours at a time and it's not your hands not going to cramp up. It's not going to hurt anymore. And it's the same way with conviction in our life. Whenever I feel convicted about doing something, but I choose to do it anyways. If I do that enough, I can be doing wrong and not feel bad about it at all. That's why there's a big difference between just feeling conviction and repenting. Because there's some of us that are living in sin, that have sinful areas in our lives that we don't even feel convicted about anymore. There's some areas of our life that we've been doing it for so long and we've just given in to that desire in our, in, in, in our minds and in our hearts. We've just give, given in to it so many times it doesn't even bother us anymore. So repentance is not just a conviction. It's not just something that you feel inside of you. But repentance is whenever you change your mind, you say, I'm not going to do that anymore. And because you change your mind, you begin to change your actions. That's what repentance is, number one. Number two. Now I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9 through 11 before... I give you this one because this one's a little bit churchy. Not a little bit churchy. It's very churchy. And I want to explain to you what it means. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 9 through 11. By the way, I have no idea whose water this was. Whosoever it was, thank you. I inspected it for fishies before I drank, so we should be good to go. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 9 through 11. Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. Highlight that. Your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner. Not that you might suffer loss from us and nothing 
For godly sorrow, highlight this, for godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you. What clearing of yourselves what, yeah, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication in all things you proved yourself to be clear in this matter. I got to put these things on. There we go. So. Repentance is a godly sorrow. And let me expl- explain the difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Everybody hates to get caught. Right? That's why we keep it in the dark. That's why we keep it in the closet. And we sweep it underneath the rug. Because everybody hates to get caught. And if we're not repenting, we're not ever sorry until we get caught. And as long as we don't get caught and as long as nobody knows, we can keep cheating, we can keep lying, we can keep stealing, we can keep whatever our sin is. We can keep doing it forever and always as long as we don't ever get caught. You see, when we're sorry because we got caught, that's what the Bible calls worldly sorrow. You know, it's, it's whenever we get caught and then it's all of a sudden, oh, we're the victims. Hopefully none of us have ever been in that situation, but we all know somebody, right? That's what worldly sorrow is, is we're just sorry that we got caught. And if we could figure out a way to get away with it, we'd keep on doing it. We don't really change our actions. We don't change our minds. We still want to do that. We just have to wait and figure out a way that we're not going to get caught again. That's what worldly sorrow is. But godly sorrow makes us hate the fact that we did it. There's a big difference there. There's a big difference between sorry that you get, got caught and sorry that I did it. Hating the fact that I got caught and hating the fact that I did it in the first place. You with me? That's what repentance is. It's not, oh, I got caught, sorry. But it's, you know what? I did this, and I hate that I did this, and I got to make this right. Some way, somehow, I got to make this right. I have to change my mind, and I have to change my actions. I don't want to be this person anymore. And that's what Paul's saying. He says this godly sorrow leads to repentance. It's what makes us decide, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to do that thing. I don't want to live that kind of life anymore. And so even before I get caught, I'm going to go ahead and repent and turn away from this. 
Not just sorry, you caught me. You found me out. Why do we need to repent? Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2 tells us that there is a big gap between us and God and it's caused by sin. Whenever I sin, I separate myself from God. Again, I want you to understand now, God never takes a step away from us. If today you find yourself far away from God and it feels like your prayers aren't heard and it feels like everything is in vain because God is just a million miles away, it's not because God has moved. God has gone absolutely nowhere. God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. He has never changed. He has never moved. But my sin takes me farther away from God. And it's not this picture of, oh, this, this, that Satan and, and you know, all of these demons and sin is grabbing me and I'm doing my best to hold on to God, but they're just pulling on me too tight. That's, that's such bull, man. That's not the way it is. I know we like to paint that picture. That's not the way it is. It's as simple as this. God is right here and he's ready to embrace me, but I turn my back every single time I sin and I grab onto my sin. And that's what sin does. Sin creates a gap between me and God. My sin in my life creates a gap between me and God. Again, I reiterate, God has not gone anywhere. It is me that has taken the step in the direction of sin. So we need to repent because sin creates that gap, but repentance closes that gap. It's amazing, but God is never more than a step away. He may feel this morning to you. He may feel like he is a million miles away. It may feel like you may raise up your hands and you might sing and you might pray. And it just seems like God is nowhere to be found. But he's no, never more than just one step away. He's never more than just a step of repentance away. So we need to repent because there's sin separating us from God and repentance is what closes that gap. First John chapter 1, verse 8, it's at the very, very, very back of the Bible just about. But because none of us, we need to repent because none of us are perfect. None of us. And that scripture, man, First John chapter 1, verse 8, and Romans 3.23, they sure do burst my bubble. Because I sure thought I was pretty close to it at least, man. I'm kidding. No, I didn't. Not even close. But we all need to repent because none of us are perfect. We all need repentance in our lives because we all make mistakes. We all need repentance in our lives because in one way or another, we choose sin over God. We all need to repent because there's areas in our life that we have not given completely to God. So we need to repent. That's why we have to understand what repentance is. We have to understand that repentance is not just feeling some type of conviction, some type of butterflies in our belly, and and that's enough. Repentance is whenever I change my mind and I change my actions. And we need to because we all have mistakes. We We all have areas in our lives where we have failed and we have failed miserably, where we have messed up. So I want to share with you very quickly, how do we do this? Let's go ahead and go to 1 John chapter 1. Again, it's going to be towards the very, very back of your Bible. 
there's like one book separating it from Revelations. So if you find Revelations, go to the left. If you find Jude, just like one more page or two more pages to the left, you'll find 1 John. Now there's three of them, so find the first one. 1 John chapter 1. We'll go ahead and read verse 8 and 9. If we say that we have no sin, we we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So number one, we confess our sins. The way we repent is we have to confess. We have to acknowledge I did wrong and I confess it. Now, now I'm not saying we're going to sit down and we're going to have a little box in the back and we're going to have confessionals. That's what I'm talking. I'm not talking about that at all. We can't confess our our sins to people that sin. That's it doesn't make sense. Now, sometimes it's good for us to talk about it with somebody and talk it out with our spouse or, or someone that we love or someone that we really, really trust. But I'm not telling you here, the Bible is not telling us here that we need to sit down in a confessional and confess our sins to somebody else because nobody has the power to forgive us of our sins except for God. You with me? So whenever the Bible says we need to confess our sins, you know, y'all don't start calling me at all hours of the day and night saying, ah, EJ, I just said a cuss word or, or I just looked at something I shouldn't have looked at or I just did something I shouldn't, you know, don't, don't do that. I don't, I, don't, I don't need that in my life. It's not the, that's not what the Bible is saying at all. What he's talking about when he says confess, he's just saying, man, just acknowledge it before God. Acknowledge it before God. That's all you have to do. Just come before God and say, you know what? This is my mistake. This is who I am. And, and, and the beautiful thing is God already knows anyways. So it's not like you're hiding anything. It's not like it's going to be an awkward moment where, you know, you're going to reveal something to him that he had no idea happened. We confess our sins. We just come to God and we say, these are my mistakes. This is where I messed up. And I want to ask your help to change me. I want to ask you to help me change my mind and help me change my actions. That's how we confess our sins. Just a simple little conversation with God. Nothing really big, nothing really elaborate. You don't have to have all of these nice, fancy, big words. You don't even have to know very much about the Bible or anything about the Bible. Just whenever you feel that conviction, whenever you know you did something wrong, or you feel like you did something wrong, it's just as simple as just saying, God, forgive me. God, I know this is wrong. I know this is sin. I know this is what's creating a gap between you and I. And I want to ask you to change that in my life. Help me to change that in my life. That's how we confess. Very simple. Very, very easy. Number two. I'm going to throw another church word at you, but go to Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13 first. Proverbs is going to be towards the middle of the Bible. It's right next to the biggest book in the Bible, which is Psalms. You hit Psalms, go to the right, you'll hit Proverbs. Very next book to the right. Proverbs 
Psalms chapter 28, verse 13. This is a great scripture to highlight too, by the way. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Forsakes. Another, again, that's another church word. We'd hardly ever hear that word outside of church. And all that means, write down in your notes, all that means is to abandon, is to turn away from it. That's all, that's all forsake means. So number one, we have to confess our sins. Number two, we have to turn away from our sins. We have to abandon our sins. You know, going back to what what we talked about last week, the grace that does not change my life cannot save my soul. And with repentance, I can't say sorry and keep doing what I was doing and expect that to be repentance. That's not repentance at all. Whenever I repent, I say sorry, and then I turn away from it. I forsake it. I abandon it. And I do my best to burn every boat back. Do my best to just stay as far away from it as I possibly can. You know, dude, if you got a problem looking at porn, don't go to a nude beach. I got some looks at that one, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just as simple as that. We, we have to know ourselves. We have to know what our weaknesses are. And if I understand what I'm weak at, I need to stay away from anything that might tempt me into that. That's how we forsake it. That's how we abandon it. If I have a problem with gossip and I just really, really love to talk about people, Maybe I need to stay away from the people that just seem to know everybody's business. I asked somebody that the other day, matter of fact. I was like, dude, you just seem to know everything about everybody. How is that? Oh, people trust me. I'm like, whatever, bro. Quit gossiping. Come on. Shut up. We have to understand ourselves. Hey, if you're dating and your hormones are raging, take a cold shower and stay away from each other. Man, I'm freaking people out this morning. Just as simple as that. I have to forsake. I have to abandon. If we're married and there's some type of relationship at work or at school or, or, or wherever. That is putting our relationship with our spouse in, in, a, in an awkward position, in a bad position. We got to stop talking to them. If there's somebody that's kind of flirtatious with us, we got to stop texting them. If we have an issue with 
with something on our cell phones and it's just so easy to get on there and, and look at stuff and, and be a part of stuff that we shouldn't be a part of, I, I, there's great apps for that, actually. TripleXChurch.com. It's a great, great app right there. If you look at anything questionable on there, it'll send an email to your accountability partner. So you got a problem with that? Make your wife, make some, or probably don't make your wife, but make, make a really good friend that's going to hold you accountable. Make, make them your accountability partner. You look at something, I promise you, they're going to get an email. And if they really love you, they'll let you know. You need to stop doing that. Maybe it's just as simple as unfollow some people on Instagram. You see, but this is where repentance really, really gets hard. Because we have to make decisions and we have to take steps away from what we're falling into. And that's how we know if we're really, really repenting or not. See, Matthew 3, 8, I meant to read that to you guys. But, but basically, John says we have to bear fruits worthy of repentance. In other words, again, it's not enough to say sorry. You have to show that you're sorry. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. And that's what this is. So whenever we decide, I'm not going to do that anymore. And this is what I'm going to do to make sure I don't do that anymore. I'm not going to fall into this sin, into this temptation anymore. And these are the roadblocks that I'm building up to make sure that I don't fall into that anymore. We have to confess our sins. We have to come before God and say, you know what, God, I understand this is wrong. This is where I messed up and I want to change. I want you to change my mind and I want to change my actions. And because I want to change my actions, I'm going to abandon, completely abandon this sin. And any route that I used to take to get into this sin again, I want to block it all off. If that's contacts that I need to erase out of my phone, then that's what I'm going to do. If that's people on Instagram and on Facebook, on Snapchat, on Twitter, whatever that I need to block and unfollow, then that's what I'm going to do. If that's relationships and people that I need to stop talking to because every time I talk to them, I fall into this temptation, then that's what I'm going to do. If that's a place that I need to stop going, then that's what I'm going to do. If that's just as simple as just leaving my phone outside of my room at night because whenever I wake up in the middle of the night, I like to look at things and do things on it that I shouldn't be doing, then that's what I'm going to do. It's not just saying, oops, sorry, I did it again, Britney Spears. But it's saying, these are the steps that I'm going to take to do my absolute best. To not fall back into this. This is what I'm going to do to make sure that I put up all kinds of roadblocks to make sure I don't fall right back into this sin. You know, if you were at home and, and you had a hole somewhere in your house that you just kept walking into... And you just kept on falling. And every time you fell, you fell a little bit deeper and it hurt just a little bit more. Would it not be smart to just go ahead and just block that hole up? Like in the hallway to the bathroom in the middle of the night, you keep falling into it. Would you not eventually say, I got to fix this dang hole. This isn't working for me. Would we not eventually say that no matter how lazy we are? 
Would we not eventually say that? We can't just put a, we can't just put, keep putting a, a stinking, you know, quilt or blanket over it because that doesn't do anything. We fall right into it with the blanket. Would we not? Talk to me. So why do, not, why do we not do that with our sin? Why do we allow ourselves to keep falling into it over and over and over and over again? And the thing about sin is it's never enough, man. The thing about sin is every time we fall back into it, we fall deeper and harder into it. The thing about sin is every time I go back into it, it swallows me up a little bit more and it kills my soul a little bit more. And it rubs, it it, it kills my conviction a little bit more. Every single time I fall into it. So how about instead of falling into it every night on our way to the bathroom or every morning on our way to the bathroom, why don't we fix that hole? Why don't we go ahead and put a nice board over it, make sure we don't ever fall into it again. That's what the Bible is talking about when he says forsake, abandon, walk away from it. And number three, again, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 9 through 11, talking about godly sorrow. We learn to hate sin. We learn to hate sin. Not the sinner, we hate sin. And you see, if if we would begin to understand that my sin separates me from my Father, God. And if we would understand that every single time I sin and every time I do fall back into that hole and every single time I do give back into that temptation, it hurts my relationship with God. It makes Him a little bit harder for me to hear And it makes him easier for me to ignore. And if we would just learn to fall in love with God. If we would really just be like this woman. The most embarrassing and most shameful moments of her life. And the only reason she's still around is she wants to know, what is this son of God going to tell me? If anybody could throw a rock. It was Jesus. Because he said, those that are without sin, cast the first stone. So she's hanging around, not hoping and not waiting for mercy. She's actually waiting around to see, is this dude going to throw rocks at me? And when Jesus looked at her and said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He wasn't saying, go on and be perfect from now on. He was saying, Look at the mercy, look at the love that I have given you. Look at the grace that I have extended to you, the forgiveness that I have given to you. Repent. Change your mind, change your actions, build up some roadblocks. Don't fall into that sin anymore. You see, and if we would just see Jesus, and if we would just learn to love Jesus, Not just Jesus the Savior, not just Jesus the healer, and not just the Jesus that, that does all of these magical things for me. But the Jesus that loves me. The Jesus that gave everything for me. If I would learn to love him, then I feel like, I believe 
that I would stop falling into the same holes because I want to make sure that I don't abandon him anymore. I want to make sure I don't hurt him anymore. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 tells us this. Tells us that God doesn't want to condemn anybody. Matter of fact, it is His desire that everyone should repent. So I want you to know this this morning. I want you to know that God is not a condemning God. And God does not look at anybody and say, I want to send you to hell. Matter of fact, Matter of fact, God said that if anybody goes to hell, it's, be, it's going to be because they chose to and they will step over the body of my dead son to get there. That's what God said. That's what God did. And so this morning, I pray and I hope that we understand what repentance is. Not just some church word. But something we need to live out in our lives. And whatever area or whatever sin is in our lives, my prayer is that we would abandon it this morning. We would change our mind, change our actions, build up roadblocks, abandon it this morning, and turn back to God. This is the end of the message. For more information, please visit theremodelchurch.com.